thank you to the youth group because they uh, really lined it up really well. What we're going to be speaking about this morning. Now, today we're going to uh, continue uh, on Jesus' prayer and the discussion that he had with his disciples on the final things that he wanted to impart on them before he leaves them to return to the Father. Now, within this chapter, Jesus recognises their insecurities and he goes through a threefold promise of assurance. He promises comfort and that where he is going, he is preparing a place for them. He talks about the house of his father having many rooms. He promises a helper in the person of the Holy Spirit, this being proof of his love for them. And now he promises peace a peace which is different from the world's, a peace which is secure and indwells the believer a sense of calmness and that no one can take away. Now, if you lived through the, um, the 60s and the 70s, I'll see if I can get this next one going. If you lived through the 60s and the 70s, you would have probably remembered there was a push by the young generation of... Um, uh, doing a lot of demonstrating um, against war at the time, drive, or trying to drive the world to peace. Um, it was known as the Flower Power Era. I'm not sure most of you will probably remember that. The Flower Power Era was the slogan used during those late 60s and early 70s as a symbol of passive resistance and non-violence ideology stemming from opposition to the Vietnam War at the time. Now, did they achieve what was intended? Well, if you have a look at the figures, it does seem as though that there was a bit of an effect through the 70s and 80s. There was less conflict. They're basically conflicts over the decades during that time. And you'll notice that the 60s was between 47 and 65 because the information that I got off the internet was a little bit vague. But would anybody like to guesstimate or estimate the current number of wars and conflicts that are going on in the world today. And, and I'm talking significant conflicts, ones that claim lives, make extremely uncomfortable for people to live in, the, in those countries. No guesses? 70. How many? 70. Very close. Very close. There you go. 62 to 67. So not much has changed, has it? Not much has changed. Now, most sources put it at 62 to 67, but one statistics that I read, one statistic that I read that showed that there was only 13 countries out of 167 nations that they could truly say that they claim to be at peace. That, that's, that's staggering, isn't it? It's amazing. 13 countries out of 167. Anyway, wars and conflicts have plagued man since Cain and Abel. Now, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom, and I'm glad that the, uh, the guys showed that video because that, that, um, that really nailed it, I reckon. That was, that was very good. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. It means more than tranquility and safety. It's a greeting passed on here by Jesus to his disciples that encompasses all the good that comes from God. Health, contentment, security, friendship with man, friendship with God. Jesus is encouraging his disciples that before he's about to leave them that 
Jesus is encouraging his disciples before he is about to leave them. His discussions with them at the table, letting them know that he is going, but they are staying to continue the work of spreading the good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus has already reminded them that they can't do it alone, that he's going to give them the Holy Spirit. The peace that Jesus gives is that of an inner spiritual peace which cannot be bought. When God created the earth, let's just go back a little bit. When God created the earth, he made it to be a place of peace. In Genesis, it tells us that God and man enjoyed a wonderful and peaceful relationship in the Garden of Eden. God's intention was for man and woman to live forever in this peace. But of course, we know what happened in chapter 3. All of it changed. Man and woman rebelled against God. They disobeyed God's one and only command. And what was that? Not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the middle of the garden. The consequence of that, of course, was death. Spiritual death, which separates us from God. Because of their rebellion, they were banished from that peaceful garden. Not is all lost. Fortunately for mankind, it doesn't end there. God has a plan of salvation. And we read from the prophet Isaiah, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. God's plan is to restore his kingdom, a kingdom where those who live in it can experience the fullness of his peace. This restoration began at the birth of Jesus, to which a great heavenly host appeared and the angel praising God saying, Glory to God in the highest, in heaven and on earth, peace to those whom his favour rests. Now Adam and Eve disobeyed God. What is your attitude and willingness to obey for where and what God wants you to be? Throughout the Old Testament we read, of the disobedience that was evident with the people of Israel. There was a continuing cycle of retribution by God over wayward living and disobedience and in contrast to the promises of restoration when one seeks God and calls on his name. We are no different today. What kind of peace can we expect from Jesus? When we trust in him, we can experience the inner peace of God. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, says in Romans. Our strife and conflict with God has been overcome by grace. It's a spiritual peace. What does that mean? It's the peace we have, as the young people said today, in the face of trouble, in the face of anxiety, in the face of persecution, in the face of failure. Everybody feels it today. But it's not like the peace of the world depends on outward circumstances or inward rationalisation. 
the world will tell you, look, take a week off, have a rest up, everything will be okay. The problem is, when you get back, those problems are still there, aren't they? Those problems are still there. Yes, let's get away from it all, but no, you can't. Jesus delivers us from fear and allows us to experience his peace and it's a promise for those who choose to trust in him and depend on him. Look what it says in Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts in Jesus Christ. You know, the doctor who looked after the ailing Charles Wesley when sickness took hold of his body said this about him. He possessed that state of mind which, had, which he had been always pleased to see in others, genuine humility and resignation to God's will. He had a solid hope and unshaken confidence in Christ which kept his mind in perfect peace. Can we boast of an inner peace like that? The peace that comes from Christ? Notice Jesus, notice Jesus calls it my peace. That's because it is his own and only his to give. He bought it at that price. He bought, he bought that, sorry, he bought that peace with his own blood. and has has the authority, has been given the authority to dispense it to a perishing world. This is the peace the Holy Spirit makes available to the troubled hearts of the disciples and also to us. Jesus says, if you love me, you you will obey my teaching and Jesus the Father will come and live in you. If you love the Lord and are obedient to him and his will for you, then it's our obedience through faith in Jesus that we can fully comprehend the peace that he imparts on us. Obedience is a product of his will for us. For we are God's workmanship, it says, created to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. However, in contrast, if we don't love Jesus and don't obey his teaching, We are disobedient and we are following the way of the world. You know, my employment agreement, believe it or not, has 18 policy documents. I've got to read each one of them. I can't believe it. It's a lot of reading to do. I think I've got them through about six of them. But anyway, they relate to my conduct and my behaviour representing the company. If I disregard any of these, I may lose my job. At best be reprimanded with applied penalties. If I want to keep my job, then I will do well to obey those policies. If we want to represent Jesus, we will do well to keep his commands. Do you remember what the most important command was when Jesus was asked by one of the teachers of the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second one is equally important. 
love your neighbour as yourself. The first command gives us peace with God. The second, peace with one another. Jesus gives us the peace within the family of believers. Colossians 3 says, Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you are called to live in peace. In Ephesians 2, Paul explains how the death of Christ leads to personal salvation, but he goes on to explain the corporate implications of the cross, where Christ himself made peace between the Jews and the Gentiles. He broke down the racial and religious barriers that existed at the time, that existed then, and he reconciled them both to God in one body through the cross. The the death of Jesus not only brings reconciliation between the individual and God, but also among people groups by ending the hostilities that hinder us by living at peace with one another. The common interest in Christ that binds us together is called the church. You know, me and my wife, I mean, Desi went um, to uh, Cairo Baptist Church this Easter when we were visiting there and... uh, you know, we were talking to some of the locals within the church and it was like we knew them for ages. They were like brothers and sisters. They were like family members. And in fact, they were. They belonged to the family of God. There was no hesitation. We had a bit of a chat. Everything it was great. That's the peace that Paul talks about and that's the peace that Jesus gives. Now, we are all grateful for the peace that we have between us and God because of Jesus' death on the cross. But we need to share that peace with people that we come in contact with, with those who don't know Christ and those who haven't experienced the peace that we have. Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. This is reinforced by Paul in Romans and in Hebrews where both passages ask us to keep the peace with everyone and to make every effort to keep that peace. Now, how do we do this? Well, Paul gives us four clues in Ephesians, and I think they came up during that um, that slide. But this is part of being an obedient disciple. The first clue is to be humble and gentle. The second clue, we have to be patient with one another making allowance for each other's faults. You know, we are all different and we're all going to have different interests, but we've got to tie on to that one thread that will keep us together, and that's Christ. And third, we need to make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. You know, church unity is like peace in marriage. You must pursue it and continually work at it. The story is told of a, uh, of a woman celebrating her 50th anniversary. She shared the secret of a long and happy relationship. She said, on my wedding day, I decided to make a list of 10 of my husband's faults. <laughs> Which for the sake of our marriage, I would overlook. She says, I never did get around to making that list. Each time he did something I didn't like, I'd say, lucky for him, that's one of the ten. Now, there's a wise lady who wanted to keep the peace. (laughs) Now, if you have disagreement or something, 
Seek immediately to reconcile. If you're not happy with something, don't go gossiping about it. Bring it to the attention of the other person or the leaders concerned. Or if necessary, raise it with the elders. At times, the resolution may not please you. But if it's not a salvation issue, then agree to disagree and move on. Don't go harbouring resentment and bitterness. It's, it's just not good, and in fact, it'll eat away at your peace of mind. Now, the fourth one, which is probably the most difficult, is peacemaking. Peacemaking requires us to forgive. And if necessary, again and again and again. Without forgiveness, we put up walls and block people out. And this damages and fragments our fellowship. Jesus' peace is the only peace that comforts and gives security to our physical, spiritual and emotional senses. Peace is in the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. We put a lot of emphasis on love and joy, but it won't be real if we don't have peace. Proverbs 3 tells us that the paths of wisdom bring peace. This is not an intellectual wisdom. This is a wisdom that comes from an acknowledgement and understanding of God. The verses say that it's more profitable than silver and gives a better return than gold and is more precious than rubies. That's because silver, gold and rubies, etc., are all materialistic things. We spoke about that earlier. These things will not only decay, but they will never satisfy and they will never bring peace. You know, there's, and that's no different than today's material possessions. The more we have, the more we want. How much is enough? You know, one of the greatest, or sorry, one of the fastest growing industries in America is that of self-storage. The people are storing more and more possessions than they know what to do with. And Australia is not far behind them. Where is your treasure stored? Here or in heaven? Jesus came to earth, among other things, to represent the Father. He says in verse 10 of this chapter, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And in chapter 7, Jesus once again refers to the Father, my teaching is not my own, it comes from him who sent me. All the words and actions of Jesus lined up with the Father's will. How do our words and actions line up with what God wants for us? Are we wanting to do what God prepared for us to do? Are we obedient to his will? You know, if you've ever played a team sport, the coach will generally have a game plan for each player to follow. This would not guarantee success, but because the coach knows the skills and ability of each of his players, he would put them in the best possible position for them to excel. Now, when I played for Eltham Redbacks, and I was pretty quick then, (laughs) 
The coach's instruction to me was that when I had the ball, I would race it, race it right up to the end, into the, uh, into the attacking zone, and I would cross the ball in for one of my um, teammates to attempt to score. Now, that didn't always work. Sometimes I'd lose the ball on the way. <laughs> Or sometimes it didn't, didn't, didn't hit the head of the, of the guy I was crossing over to. But the idea was there. The idea was to follow that instruction and to follow the will of the coach in that sense. In his final comments, it would seem that Jesus would have liked to see his disciples rejoice that he was going back to the Father. Perhaps if they had realised this, they would not be so troubled because Jesus' return to the Father meant that his mission was complete. Now, Jesus also makes a statement that the Father is greater than I. This must not be separated from the context at which it's in, but must be seen in the light of Jesus' present place on earth at the time compared with the Father's glorious, glorified position in heaven. It must also be understood in view of the repeated assertions that Jesus makes that he did the Father's will and that he and the Father are one. So can we truly have peace on earth? Raph reminded us two weeks ago that it's hard to live the Christian life, that we all do struggle. And I think we saw that this morning. Even as Christians, we struggle. But these struggles and battles are against the prince of this world, against the evil force of Satan, who continues to try and deceive us. While we may wait, while we may have a hold, sorry, while he may have a hold on us from time to time because of our fallen state, Satan has no hold on Christ because Jesus was sinless. And while Satan would seem that the cross would be Christ's defeat, out of it would be the greatest good ever come to the world. Our struggles will vary from person to person. Some of our struggle will be with health. I've had a terrible week. You've probably seen me water my eye. <laughs> I've got an infected eye, but at the moment I just can't do much about it. It just seems to be uh, something I'm struggling with. Some will struggle with contentment. Some will struggle with security. Some of us fear about the things that are happening in the world. or even in our neighbourhood. Some have challenges with relationships, and I can go on. In concluding, what is our response with the peace that Jesus gives? Jesus says, If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. When we believe... We receive the love of the Father, the peace of Jesus and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That is the peace we have if we obey. And that obedience is believing in faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If you are seeking that peace that only Jesus can give you, you're welcome to come to the front this morning. Have a talk to someone who's maturing their Christian walk Perhaps talk to one of the elders, perhaps talk to Pat even, and we can pray for you this morning. Ref reminded us 
that salvation means that we are going to heaven because once you trust in Jesus, you are saved. Submission, which is obedience, means that heaven comes to us and that is a wonderful peace that we can have right now. Let me close in prayer. Father, we want to thank you that you remind us of your love for us in the sacrifice of your son Jesus who died on the cross so that we can have peace with you. We thank you that we don't have to go through the trials on our own. That if we believe in Jesus, you give us your spirit who comforts and helps us through the struggles and the challenges we face. We thank you for your promise to be with us and that you would never leave us. And I pray for those this morning who need to be free from their anxiety and fear and find your peace, the true peace that comes from Christ. And in his name we ask this. Amen.